Kalpatrubhyascha Kripa Sindhu Bhyebhachapatitanam Pavanebhyo Vaishnavibhyo Namo Namaha So we're here to continue our study of Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 11, Chapter 31, the last chapter in Canto 11. Then we'll go on to 12th. Uh, this is called the disappearance of Lord Sri Krishna, and now at this point we're actually been discussing that disappearance. Um, I'll read a few texts, uh, starting maybe with text seven, and bring you up to we're up to eleven now. Before we do eleven, I'll remind you of what uh, just uh, been there. So I'll just read the English, uh, but first let me say this. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So the English translation was text 7, text 7, Canto 11. As soon as Lord Sri Krishna left the earth, truth, religion, Faithfulness, glory, and beauty immediately followed him. Kettle drums resounded in the heavens and flowers showered from the sky. Most of the demigods and other higher beings led by Brahma could not see Lord Krishna as he was entering his own abode, since he did not reveal his movements. But some of them did catch sight of him, and they were extremely amazed. Uh, nine, just as an ordinary, just as ordinary men, cannot ascertain the path of a lightning bolt as it leaves a cloud. The demigods, the demigods, could not trace out the movements of Lord Krishna as he returned to his abode. Ten. A few of the demigods, however, notably Lord Brahma and Lord Shiva, could ascertain how the Lord's mystic power was working, and thus they became astonished. All the demigods praised the Lord's mystic power and then returned to their own planets. So that's where we are up to this uh, with text number 11. Uh, I'll read the Sanskrit, which goes like this. Now the meter changes, by the way. Rajan purashatanu bridjana napya yeha maya vidambana maveha yatanatasya shristvatmanedamanu vishya vivritya chante Samritya Chatma Mahino Parata Saaste. The translation is My dear King, remember this is the framing, uh, this Sutta Goswami talking to Maharaj Parikshit, o, o, uh, Rajan, O King Parikshit in the word for word. My dear King, you should understand that the Supreme Lord's appearance and disappearance, which resemble those of embodied conditioned souls, are actually a show enacted by his illusory energy, just like the performance of an actor. After creating this universe, he enters into it, plays within it for some time, and at last winds it up. The, then the Lord remains situated in his own transcendental glory, having ceased from the functions of cosmic manifestation. So this is how it begins. Rajan, O King, uh, uh, the Parasha of the Supreme, uh, his uh, jana and apyaya, his disappearance, his birth and his disappearance, iha and his activities, uh, uh, tanu brit, uh, resembling the embodied living beings. 
Brit means to bear, and Tanu is a body. Those who bear bodies, <laughs> the soul is carrying it around, lugging it, different kinds of bodies around. So his appearance, birth, janma, uh, apyaya, his removal, uh, his iha, his activities, uh, uh, tanubrit, like the, like the, uh, those of the, uh, yeah, those of mortals. Uh, they are a show. Uh, uh, vidambana. Uh, uh, they are a show uh, 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 of his maya. So you should understand this. Yata natasya, like those of an actor. They do things on stage and wow! We'll see there's a whole big purport about a magician performing. Uh, doing his tricks, which uh, uh, the BBT takes from Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur's commentary. And then it says, uh, 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 Shrisvat Manindam, the, 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 the second uh, uh, line, uh, or third line, if I divide it up, after creating this universe, Shrisva, uh, Atma by himself, idam. When it says this by itself, it often means this world. Om Purnam idam. This Ishopanishad begins. Uh, he creates, then Anuvisha enters, Virhitya plays with it, and in the end, Samhritya winds it up. Uh, and then, after that, Atma Mahina. Uh, he remains in his own glories. Uh, uh, he creates it, enters into it, plays within it, winds it up, but still remains situated. Uh, this is always the definition uh, in, in, the, in the Bhagavatam uh, that, that, that uh, the Lord is there before the creation, during the creation, and after the creation he remains uh, uh, this way. So uh, we'll start. I'll read the, the first paragraph of the BBT purport. Then we'll have to switch to Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur and then go back to the BBT because I take some of his. So the BBT they begin according to uh, Srila Jiva Goswami. The so called fight among the members of the Yadu dynasty was actually a display of the pastime potency of the Lord, since the Lord's personal associates are never subject to ordinary birth and death like conditioned souls. So it wasn't just Krishna. It was uh, the whole thing, when the whole Yadu dynasty, you see how they... This has already been d described uh, to us. The whole Yadu dynasty going back was a... This, uh, Lila Shakti, the pastime potency of the Lord. At least I think that's the word. I, uh, this being the case, certainly the Supreme Personality of God Himself is transcendental to material birth and death, as clearly stated in this verse. So then uh, Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur, when he is uh, discussing this. What have I done wrong here? 131. Oh, I got the wrong verse up here. Just a second. Didn't line up all my screens. So Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur. Yeah, the translation is a little different. O King, you should understand that the Supreme Lord's appearance and disappearance, which resembles those of embodied conditioned souls, 
are actually a show enacted by his illusory energy, just like the performance of an actor. After creating this illusion, he entered into it, plays with it for some time, and at last destroys it, withdrawing from it by his own power. Thus he remains. <laughs> a little more literal, actually. Uh, uh, then the purport begins like this, Parikshit was sad that all people saw the Lord and his associates in this superficial way. Shukadev comforted him by explaining the true nature of the Lord's pastimes. Understanding that the birth and death activities of the Lord, which are like those of the jiva, are actually a resemblance to the jiva's life produced by maya. Those actions are not real. The birth and death of the jiva, who has a body made of semen, blood, is full of suffering. The appearance and disappearance of the Supreme Lord, who has a spiritual body, is full of bliss. And then he quotes from the Bhagavatam, Vivakyam Deva Rupinyam Vishnu Sarva Guhashaya Avira Siddhyata Pratyam Dishindur Iva Puskalaha The Supreme Lord, who is situated in the core of everyone's heart, appeared from the heart of Devaki in the dense darkness of night, like the full moon arising on the eastern horizon, because Devaki was of the same category as Krishna. So Devaki is his uh, mother, birth mother, but he, he appeared from her heart. It uh, wasn't that she underwent the same uh, messy uh, business of giving birth <laughs> in the same way. Uh, 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 and then uh, he quotes again from uh, Bhagavatam 3, uh, 2.15. Uh, I'll skip the Sanskrit. Uh, being compassionate in mind, when his devotees are afflicted by the demons, Swayam Bhagavan Krishna, though not having material birth, appears within this world along with all his Vishnu expansions, since he is the Lord of all forms of gods, of God and devatas. Devatas meaning demigods. And then he quotes from a short quotation from Bhagavatam 3.27, uh, Krishna Dumani Nimloche, Krishna has disappeared like the sun. It may go out of our vision, but it doesn't extinguish itself. It goes somewhere else where you can't see it. Uh, then he quotes again uh, from uh, uh, Bhagavatam, 3.12.2.11 The Lord having shown his form, the center of attraction for all eyes, then took that form and disappeared from men who had not performed austerities, but having attained the Lord's mercy, but had attained the Lord's mercy and were continually craving a vision of his form. Uh, then he adds, uh, ordinary quotes from the uh, Brahmanda Purana, nothing can be added to or subtracted from the Lord's form. His appearance and disappearance are said to be simply coming into the world and leaving it. So he then says, though sometimes the Lord appears and disappears like a jiva, this is only an appearance produced by maya. It is like the action of a magician Though it is false, the magician can show his or someone else's birth and death. Someone exhibits death as follows, and now it tells the same story uh, in the same words <laughs> here. Uh, the identical translations from the, 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 the Bhagavatam. I don't know who copied whom, but... Uh, uh, so here, here's the same, here's a quotation, here's the story that Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur narrates. 
In front of a great king, a magician approaches a stack of valuable garments, jewels, coins, and so forth, all placed there by the king. So he's got a table there with all this. Taking a jewel necklace, the magician tells the king, Now I am taking this necklace and you can't have it. And he makes the necklace disappear. Boom! Now I'm taking this gold coin, and you can't have it, he says, making the gold coin disappear. Next, challenging the king in the same way, the magician makes 7,000 horses disappear. Now that's a real trick, which we don't even see today. Then the magician creates the illusion that the king's children, grandchildren, brothers, and other family members have attacked each other and are nearly all dead from the violent quarrel. The king hears the magician speaking and at the same time observes these things taking place before him as he sits in the great assembly hall. Then the magician says, O king, I, am no, I no longer wish to live. Just as I have studied magic, so also by the mercy of the lotus feet of my guru, I have learned the mystic meditation of yoga. One is supposed to give up one's body while meditating in a holy place. And since you have performed so many pious activities, you are a holy place yourself. Therefore, I shall now give up my body. Thus speaking, the magician sits down in a proper yoga posture, fixes himself in pranayama, pratyahara, dharana, dhyana, and samadhi, and becomes silent. A moment later, a fire generated from his trance blazes forth out of his body and burns it to ashes. Then all the wives of the magician, distraught with lamentation, enter into that fire. <laughs> Three or four days later, after the magician has returned to his own province, he sends one of his daughters to the king. The daughters tell the king, tell him, O king, I've just come to your palace, bringing along with me, invisibly, all your sons, grandsons, and brothers in good health, along with all the jewels and other items given to you. Please, therefore, give me whatever you consider fitting remuneration for the wisdom of magic that has been exhibited to you. In this way, even by ordinary magic, one can simulate birth and death. <laughs> this story is as hard to believe <laughs> as a thing it purports to explain. We don't have musicians quite that good anymore. <laughs> but anyway, they saw women in half and stuff. <laughs> Then uh, he says, the BBT then says, It is not difficult to understand, therefore, that the Supreme Personality of Godhead, although transcendental to the laws of nature, exhibits his illusory potency so that ordinary fools will think that the Lord has left his body like a human being. Actually, Lord Krishna returned to his abode in his own eternal body, as confirmed throughout the Vedic literature. I think, uh, let me see if he has anything more. Yeah, he says, um, uh, This example is explained in the verse. This is about Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur again. I alone have created this confusion of quarrels and fighting with weapons arising from the sage's curse and following that, I have entered into that scene and played with mortals for a moment by taking up the reeds, those are the ones that turned into cudgels. Then I withdrew from that show by my own power and now remain separate. So, that's so if you're a little puzzled by this BBT purport, <laughs> it relates to magicians that we don't have the same ability anymore. Okay. So let's go on to text 12. Um, uh, 
the same uh, same meter there. It goes like this: Marjina Yoguru Sutam Yamalokani Tam Tvam Channa Yacharana Dham Paramastra Dagdham Jigyenta Kanta Kamapipshama Savanisha Kim Swanane Swaranayan Mrigayum Sadeham The translation uh, Lord Krishna brought the son of his guru back from the planet of the Lord of Death in the boy's self-same body and as the ultimate giver of protection, he saved you also when you were burned by the Brahmastra of Ashvatthama, you meaning Maharaj Prikshit, who's hearing Sutta Gosutta is talking. Uh, uh, so this is one pastime. He brought the son of his guru back from the planet of death, the Vyamaraj, and saved you when you were burned by the Brahmastra of Ashwatthama, goes on, he conquered in battle even Lord Shiva, who deals death to the agents of death, and he sent the hunter Jara directly to Vaikuntha in his human body. How could such a personality be unable to protect his own self? So here, the BBT, they say, uh, yeah, uh, in the same marcha, in the same uh, uh, mortal body, the son of his spiritual master from Yamaloka uh, brought him back. Anyway, I, the, the Sanskrit's actually pretty simple, even on the meters, complicated. Uh, so the purport, to mitigate his own and Parikshit Maharaj's distress at the narration of Lord Krishna's departure from this world. So that's uh, the point. They are dis- distressed. Uh, he just hearing the story. Maharaj Parikshit's up, upset. Uh, Sri Shukadeva Goswami here gives several clear examples proving that Lord Krishna is far beyond the influence of death. Although the son of Lord Krishna's spiritual master, Sandipani Muni, had been taken by death, the Lord brought him back in his same body. This is narrated elsewhere in the Bhagavatam, in the Mahabharata also. Similarly, the power of Brahman cannot touch uh, Lord Krishna, since Parikshit Maharaj, the power of Brahman, meaning uh, the Brahmana, Brahminical power. Though uh, the power of Brahman cannot touch Lord Krishna, since Parikshit Maharaj, though burned by the Brahmastra weapon, was easily saved by the Lord. So that's another story. We're going to talk about that one a little bit. Lord Shiva was clearly defeated by Lord Krishna in the battle with Banasura. And the hunter Jara, this one we read about recently, was sent to Vaikuntha planet in his same human body. Remember an airplane comes down, Vamana, and carries him up. Death is an insignificant expansion of Lord Krishna's external potency and cannot possibly act upon the Lord himself. Those who actually understand the transcendental nature of Lord Krishna's activities will find convincing evidence in these examples. But the examples are maybe a little harder for us even to grasp. <laughs> and, uh, let me read Vishnu Chakravarti and I want to talk about this a little bit. What's hard and easy to believe? So here's Vishnath Chakravarti Thakur's uh, purport. By remembering the Lord's extraordinary activities, one must completely give up the misconceptions concerning his disappearance. The Lord brought the son of his guru, who had gone to Yamaloka, back to the world, in his body born as the son of his guru, which had been devoured by the Panchajana demon, 
It was not a different body, strong with power of Brahman. The Lord gave you shelter, he's talking to Maharaj Pariksit, Sharanada, giver of shelter. He's a giver of Sharana. Rescued you, though your body had been burnt by the Brahmastra. Now, this is the whole story. The, the, the Brahmastra of Ashwatthama in the womb. Actually, you were destined, so he's talking to Prikshit again, to die by two Brahmastras. The curse of the Brahmana at birth by Ashwatthama and at death by the Brahmana boy. That curse is also... The word Astra means weapon and Brahmana means Brahmastra or it can be the weapons of a Brahmana uh, wielded by Brahmanas. Because Ashwatthama was the son of Dronacharya who was the guru of the, uh, the, the Kuru dynasty. And so his son uh, used this... Uh, uh, Ashwatthama used this Brahmastra weapon. Then it goes on, the Lord defeated Shiva, who gives death to death givers in the battle with Banasura, and the Lord let the hunter Jarag go to a special Vaikuntha Shvar in the same body. How can the Lord not be capable of protecting the Yadus? You, now talking to the Lord, you, the Lord, certainly can. You are fully capable of remaining eternally visible in this world along with your associates. <laughs> he, he switches there. Now, uh, this is what we have trouble believing in. We believe these things, that basically what this purpose. So we believe all these things. What's the problem of believing that, you know, that Krishna did, did this? But, uh, Brahmastras, a weapon ignited by the saying of a mantra. Now, I, I have this book. This is called Understanding Mantras. Can you read it? Can you see it? Understanding Mantras by Harvey P. Alper, editor. The illustration is Hanuman covered with mantras, you know, like uh, this. But this is an academic work. A professor, a, prof a collection of essays by professors uh, uh, who are writing about mantras. Fritz Stahl, uh, if you know these names, uh, Luda Roche, these are all famous Sanskritists in various universities in America and other places. And uh, the introduction... Uh, he wants to talk about the. Uh, he quotes from a uh, uh, Indian publication. Uh, which says the mantras and yantras. Uh, a, 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 a yantra is a diagram, which is like a, a mantra, but visually. Uh, uh, magical uh, drawings, they also call them magical. Yeah. The mantras, yantras, as provided in this book, if are tried by anyone and is not crowned by success, which entirely depends upon sadhaka, the author, editor, translators, printers, and publishers will not be responsible in any way for such failures. <laughs> should they never should have printed them? if they didn't know the readers were sadikas, but they did anyway. <laughs> so he quotes this. For India, mantras are real, palpable, mental artifacts. You know, it goes on like that. Then he says, <clears throat> most of us who study mantras critically, notice that word, critically, historians, philosophers, Sanskritists, take the enlightenment consensus for granted. We do not believe in magic. Generally, we do not pray. 
We take the Enlightenment consensus for granted. You know, the, the, the Enlightenment, 18th century Enlightenment, which they call the Enlightenment. I mean, that's the German word Aufklärung, Enlightenment. But from another point of view, it was darkness. They decided to, let's just overhaul everything. Let's just only deal with the world and ourselves and our surroundings as we can understand by reason and science. You know, Newton had come up with some mathematical formulas, which gave the laws of gravity, and the idea that this whole world is like a machine working by uh, obs, uh, by, 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 by laws, and we now have the key and we can understand it. And by this, we can not only understand, understand material nature, of which we are part, and ultimately control it. And that's the modern project. Uh, what, what we call progress begins with the Enlightenment. Uh, and progress means by expansion of science, which deals with the world, actually abstract from experience, just in terms of quantity, and by quantifying it, we can now grab a hold of it and get it to do whatever we want, and we get rid of all this other kind of stuff, which we don't believe in magic. You know, from, uh, we all, every culture has, t this is old stuff, right? This is magical tales, fairy tales, uh, Stories. They all tell these stories about the t a time when there were gods and everybody saw them and they interfered and humans interacted with them. Of course, there was also a counter-enlightenment, by the way, which was the roots of rom what's called, now called Romanticism, you know. And one of the counter-enlightenment people's remarks, uh, the poet Schiller, uh, he said in German, in the days when the gods were more human, humans were more divine. <laughs> they got together, you know. We don't see them anymore, and maybe, you know, uh, if, if, you, if, you, if you go to the town of, say, Troy, New York, who goes there? Nobody. One time, maybe people did. They don't go anymore. Why? Because it's, it's a slum. Remember when tourists used to come and we used to, you know, I mean, you know, they don't go. They're not there anymore. Uh, uh, we used to, these magical things called tours. They come, they flower, put down money, and, uh, you know, we'd all be prosperous. Now we don't see them anymore. All oh, those days are over. <laughs> They're gone. Well, the gods don't maybe come here I anyway. So this is what we're dealing with today now, is people who... Uh, you know, we live in a uh, the, the um, uh, Max Weber uh, called this the the de-divinization of the world uh, in Zauberung or the removal of magic. This as an historical event, and we're all the heirs of it. But but Prabhupada described the Krishna consciousness movement as dedicated to the re-spiritualization of the entire human society. So, you know, the Romanticism kind of died down again. Uh, you can trace back the counterculture of the 60s. There's a kind of... A, a, a lot of Germans went to California. <laughs> I mean, you can actually historically... The the the, 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 the the you know the 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 enlightenment the counter enlightenment continued. It was going on. It still was there as a kind of mysticism. It showed up in the nineteenth century, uh, big time, uh, uh, with with, with uh, William Butler Yeats and all, all these other people experiencing ancient thought. Anyway, it's it's so it's still there. We've had these two currents going on. And when Prabhupada came to America, the people that came to him were the ones whose minds had been made by some LSD or other things, maybe a little open to the idea that the world was maybe different, or others simply having discovered the Upanishads again and started to read those things, you know. So, so 
So uh, uh, here's what we want to uh, uh, under understand uh, uh, some of these uh, things, like the Brahmastra uh, weapons, which are uh, desc described here uh, in the and so. Uh, Let's look at a couple of those descriptions here. Uh, I don't know how much time we have left, but... Ten minutes. Uh, from, the, from the Bhagavatam, uh, this, this, the story of when uh, Ashvatthama tries to kill... It starts with Ashvatthama, this same, uh, the same son of Dronacharya, who was a, a kind of deviant, but he was a brahmana. And he had this power. And the people that had this power by following Brahminical culture and being sadhikas, is where they said you have to be a sadhika, means they followed certain principles for uh, the purification and strengthening of consciousness. Basically, if you know Astanga Yoga, the Yama and the Yamas are what's necessary to go any further. A lot of people who practice yoga nowadays, they skip yama and niyama, and they go straight to asana. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, and they don't develop yoga cities, because yoga tells you, you know, a large part of Pantanjali's yoga city about the various cities, what we would call magical powers. The ability to act on things that are just property city. You can, I can reach over here, I can pick a rose... Uh, in in uh, uh, from a garden in Calcutta and hand it to you. How did I do that? Oh, uh, legends from the, we can't do that. Nobody can do it, you know. But uh, but the universe at that that the Bhagavatam describes is is a kind of universe that we are not able to apprehend by our ordinary powers and looking at the universe. Uh, as perfectly explainable in terms of numbers. But the un this universe has many devas. The, the, the universe, as the Bhagavatam describes it, is a living being. It's a cosmic organism. Brahma, the, 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 the demiurg, the creator god of this universe, is actually the soul of the universe. And he has, he has produced all the others devas. Now, we don't believe in devas either, right? They've gone. They don't come here anymore like the tourists not coming to a, uh, a decrepit place. <laughs> uh, the devas don't come anymore. So we don't, we don't see them. Uh, but it says in the Bhagavatam, when, when, when Maharaj, uh, uh, another Maharaj, when he performed sacrifice, even the ordinary people could see the devas. They would come. Uh, uh, but we can't see them anymore. But, uh, the, but the, the devas, they're, they're, there's uh, 330 million of them. And they work at a distance. They, with the yoga cities, the devas, their natural powers are just born with them. They can move things around at a distance and so on, and things like that. They're like... And they're connected with each other. They're like the nervous system of the whole universe. And by attaining yoga cities yourself, you can also join into the be connected with that nervous system. And therefore, the, that subtle part of the universe which nobody can see, because we're like busy, you know, making ourselves stupid by <laughs> by modern activities. Uh, anyway, so here's this. Uh, so there was there was a, 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 this uh, battle with the, and, and the, the Ashvatthama, the murderer of princes. He was he was uh, opposed. The the the, the battle was a civil war. And so he was opposed to the Pandavas, 
you know, there was a, a succession problem who was there. Uh, uh, so he was opposed to the Pandavas, and uh, Draupadi uh, had five children, the common wife of the Pandavas, unusual circumstances, but she had five children. And while they were, he killed them while they were sleeping. And so this is Ashwatthama, the murderer of the princes, he's called here, seeing from a great distance Arjuna coming at him with great speed. They're on the battlefield. Because see, Dronacharya was their, their guru for, for military things. So Dronacharya, even though he was a brahmana, he would also be on the battlefield leading troops. But he was the teacher of military science, so therefore this was his situation. So Ashvatthama, his son. So he fled, panic-stricken, from, from, from uh, Arjuna. Uh, when Ashvatthama saw that his horses were tired, he considered that there was no alternative from, for protection outside of his using the ultimate weapon, the Brahmastra, uh, and then Prabhupada says here, and I'm reading, this is Prabhupada's translation of Canto 1, Chapter 7. He calls it nuclear weapon. Nuclear, nuclear weapon. Uh, and then he goes on to explain why he calls it that. He goes on with the text translation. Since his life was in danger, he touched water in sanctity. This is how, when you do mantras, you you do this this uh, upasprisha. He touched water in sanctity and concentrated upon the chanting of the hymns. Here, Prabhupada calls mantra hymns because he wrote this this part of the Bhagavatam before he came to the West. So he's trying to explain these things now to a Western audience with whom he was as yet unfamiliar. Uh, Concentrate upon the chanting of the hymns for throwing nuclear weapons. Although he did not know how to withdraw such weapons, he was an incompetent. He could send it out, the Brahmastra, but not bring it back. And then Prabhupada says in the purport, the subtle forms of material activities are finer than the grosser material methods of material manipulation. Such subtle forms of material activities are effected f- through purification of sound. The same method is adopted here by chanting hymns to act as nuclear weapons. Because if you study the cosmology of the Bhagavatam, the, the universe evolves from subtle to gross. Subtle means things that are less apparent to our senses, and gross are more apparent. Uh, that's the mean. So the Bhagavatam says subtle things are more powerful than gross things. So sound, the sound is in the element of uh, akasha, space or ether. And sound is is the is is the tanmatra, the the subtle form of ether, and from the first thing is sound is there, like the omkara, and that produces the 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 gross element of ether, which is the finest. We don't. It's just empty space, which we think of as nothing. But even, you know, material scientists today are a little baffled because in quantum mechanics to describe empty space takes many pages of equations. <laughs> so they're like, what's going on? But anyway, you know, it works, so they use it, but they don't understand it. Anyway, so this is this, this, so, so he, he uh, says this mantra, and it says, uh, he chanted this mantra, and then thereupon, I'm going back to the text, a glaring light spread in all directions. It was so fierce that Arjuna thought his own life in danger, so he began to pray to Lord Krishna. And so he prays to him, 
And he says, uh, I'll skip that a little bit. Uh, he says, uh, how is it that this dangerous effulgence is spreading all around? Where does it come from? I do not understand it. And then Krishna says, Know from me that this is the act of the son of Drona. Uh, he has thrown the hymn of nuclear energy. That's Prabhupada's translation of Brahmastra here. <laughs> and he does not know how to retract the glare. He has helplessly done this, being afraid of imminent death. And Prabhupada says in the purport, the Brahmastra is similar to the modern nuclear weapon manipulated by atomic energy. The atomic energy works wholly on total combustibility, and so the Brahmastra also acts. It creates an intolerable heat similar to atomic radiation, but the difference is that the atomic bomb is a gross type of nuclear weapon, whereas the Marmastra is a subtle type of nuclear weapon produced by chanting hymns. In other words, you don't have to get two pieces of tubes, uranium, and put them together and form a critical mass and then ignite it with something else. None of that. So he's using... It is a different science, he says. And in the days gone by, such science was cultivated in the land of Bharat Varsha. This subtle science of chanting hymns is also material, but it is yet to be known by the modern material science. Subtle material science is not spiritual, but it has a direct relationship with the spiritual method, which is still subtler. I just want to give you another view of the universe here. Now, we all modern people, we are under the spell of a myth. It's the myth of progress. We think we is the Enlightenment consensus, like this Albert. He, he's a follower of this. Myth. We don't know how to understand mantras. We don't pray. You know, we're, we're modern progressive people. You know how the word progressive is. We're pro progressive. Uh, we think that ultimately we'll be able to control everything. Because the aim of science is the, is the control of material nature. Ultimately, we want to control ourselves. Yeah, we'll get down in there and we'll do something. We'll fix our brain. We'll become, we'll go to the other, we'll control, right? We want to go to outer space. Modern, the, the science fiction, the, 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 the mythology of this is science fiction. Science fiction says we'll go to outer space, we'll conquer space and we go out there in our science fiction what do you meet gods superior beings or demons <laughs> you know whoa man where did that come from <laughs> the bottle the monsters or the, either they're benevolent or they're in, in, inimical gods and demons eh, hey wait wait a minute uh somehow built in anyway i just want to tell you that uh, anyway, then then they they're able to count another Brahmastra, and the two, stop this one. We don't. We have to stop now. But there's more instances of this. Maybe we'll continue a little bit with this discussion. But now we'll see. We'll stop now and see if anyone has any questions or comments about uh, Brahmastras. The the point. The one thing is our, our history is that. Before 5,000 years, there was actually a superior human civilization on earth. We haven't progressed, we have degraded. And this book of Srila Prabhupada is the handbook to bring us back, to restore, to some degree, at least for some time, this uh, higher human civilization. If you're on Mayapur TV and would like to ask a question, you can type your question in to the chat box to the right of the screen, or you can go to Ravindra Subaru's website, 
rsdasa.com. And there's a chat area, a chat box in the lower right-hand corner. Um, and if you're on the phone conference class, you can push star six, and that will unmute yourself. And if you are in the studio audience, you can just talk. <laughs> While we wait for some other questions. Vijay Krishna Prabhu has some questions. Um, he has three questions. Um, aren't, they aren't directly related to the class, but we'll go ahead and start with these until some other questions come in. First, he asks, uh, when we remove the finger from the body, the body becomes crippled. Does the same happen with Krishna after a living entity, his part and parcel becomes covered by the material energy. Does he become crippled Krishna? Uh, he's got unlimited numbers of living entities, literally infinite. The, the, the mathematics of infinity, which have been worked out, is that infinity minus infinity is infinity. <laughs> You take, oh, that's there, Om Purnama, Da Purnama. You take Purnam from Purnam, Purnam remains, mm -hmm. and you add Purna to Purnam, it's still Purnam. So, <laughs> he doesn't become crippled. One universe goes, there's other many to take his places. It's what doesn't mind. <laughs> his second question is, he says, Why is it said that we are indebted to our parents? I do not remember asking them to come to this world. Any comment? Can I answer that? No. <laughs> well, we have a, in our studio audience, we have a parent that wants to say. No. <laughs> You're not always indebted to your parents. You may, sometimes they, they don't take care of their children, but usually they bring you into the world, they take care of you. You're born helpless, and, uh, and somebody has to feed you, clothe you, and do those things, so you owe something. That's why it says you're indebted to the parents. <laughs> and his last question um, is it possible to see the personality of Kali wandering somewhere on this planet earth can we meet him sin personified is he available for darshan I wouldn't try it <laughs> <laughs> try to meet Krishna <laughs> good answer <laughs> question. Um, did Prabhupada um, ever speak directly or have comments on the Patanjali Yoga Sutras? Uh, you know, the only thing I, I, I can remember, well, he mentions them as bona fide. I mean, I mean uh, Patanjali is theistic, and so it's uh, uh, you know, it doesn't rise up to Bhagavan, but Paramatma, feature of the Lord, so he just includes it as a, as a bona fide, you know, uh, somewhat limited, because it doesn't really go up to Bhagavan. But um, uh, he does talk about mystic bhakti yogis, who, who, who uh, because you can, you can have yoga mishra bhakti, you can have bhakti that's missed with... And usually, sometimes there's a desire to, people start it with a desire to get these mystic powers. And I mean, I, in New York City, they practice yoga for the yoga butt. Uh, <laughs> I read it in the New York Times, come on. <laughs> Must be true. Well, they don't, the first part of the fourth chapter, which is, describes the Yoga Sutras, it, Patanjali says... I'm going to tell you about all the mystic potencies and how to achieve them, but they have no value. Yeah, exactly. There's your, they're, they're a side effect. So, yeah. but you get enamored with them, and you don't you don't take up the the real uh, goal of yoga, which is which is mukti, which is which is uh, liberation. Uh, the other thing that that Prabhupada uh, he was asked by one of his uh, GBC representatives. That that a lot of people were in the early days of the movement. We had our temple in New Vrindavan, in, excuse me, in Vrindavan. Uh, the Krishna Balaram Mandir was there. Uh, 
a lot of the Westerners coming were looking to learn yoga. And somebody suggested, well, maybe we could teach them yoga uh, and, uh, and that way also introduce them to Krishna consciousness at the same time. And Prabhupada wrote back and said, yeah, you can do that. Uh, if you want to learn uh, uh, yoga asanas, uh, somebody can teach you or I can teach you myself. Because, because Prabhupada is one of these people that, that as a kind of a course in his generation in India, people automatically kind of learn these, a lot of the yoga asanas and, and so on, uh, uh, just for reasons of health or well-being and things like that, if not for anything else. But it was just part of the culture uh, of Hindus that, that to learn this. He said, I can teach you myself, he said. <laughs> Question. Mm-hmm. So the 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 person who I guess creates the Brahmastra in can't when he can't bring that back is he affected by that or is it only people on the outside? Uh, only, oh, oh, as far as I know, uh, I don't know much about it. But in this particular case, he wouldn't have been affected, and therefore. Uh, 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 Krishna did a did a counter brahmastra. Usually, you know, he, the only thing that can counteract a brahmastra is another one. So he uh, gave you actually he gave Arjuna the, the 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 formula you might say to to counteract this brahmastra. And the two collided and created a big. It's quite a scene. You should read this part of the Bhagavatam if you haven't. It's like it's quite, I really love the ones that Prabhupada tr- tr- did it all himself without even. Even dictating, just typing them all out, they're they're really interesting in this way. I was going to read a few more parts of. Maybe we'll continue with a couple more instances of of these kinds of things. But uh, yeah. Vijay Krishnapur has another question. He has he asks, why does it happen for a living entity to be born in a brahminical family without being qualified? Well, it was partially. Well, it could happen. People, you know, this was the end of the last yuga. People were starting to be degraded, and they, they, those people occasionally had showed up. How it happened, I don't know. You know, I mean, brahmanas were performers like just conceiving a child was was quite strict. It wasn't just you know rolling the hay. It was like why with, with chanting and mantras and you know the whole thing. You can make mistakes. So anyway, it would happen. They were called a Brahmana Bandhu, the friend of a, a relative of a not actually qualified. We'll do something for him, you know, give him a little job here. But you know, it's you know, people like with businessmen, they got yeah, he wants to give give his children the business to take care of. There's one that's an idiot. They set him up somewhere with a little thing in a shop somewhere. You know that he can make a little money, but he doesn't get the whole business like his brothers or sisters or whatever. You know, so there were there. So these anomalies would would happen. I mean, I mean, to, to the, the 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 strict rules for Brahminical families were, were, were quite amazing, actually. What what they would do and how they would act and how they would behave. And I one time had had an Indian family in America in the early days of the Hare Krishna movement. I met some Indian Brahminical family that came to America, and I just visited their house since they were coming to the temple, and they invited me to their house. And it was um, just the atmosphere was so different from most people's houses. It was just amazing. And the main thing he wanted to do was get back to India. They'd come to America to make money. You know, and realized that he couldn't stand it in America, and he wanted to go back because that was Brahminical consciousness. <laughs> because the business of America is business. That's Vaisha. You're not even Kshatriyas. I was there in New York where Prabhupada told told some reporters. They asked him, why have you come to the West? When he, sometimes he'd arrive in an airport, there'd be a press conference we'd have. 
And the reporter said to Prabhupada, why have you come to the West? And he said, I have come to give you a brain. And he, then he described that the human body, the, like, the, like the, the, the social body, like the human body has a head, arms, belly, and legs. The head, the brain, is the brahmanas. The people that run the government is kshatriyas. Not the, 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 then the belly is the Vaishas who produce wealth and nourishment and the laborers are the legs, the Shudras right? so the, he described that to them and he said I've come to give your society as headless and then he mentioned he said actually he said in your society everyone is a Shudra that is the legs, laborers and there are a few Vaishas. Which means, when I said that, oh, wow, we haven't even seen real Brahmanas or real Kshatriyas. Now, I grew up in a military family. My, my father was a career army officer. So there's something of a Kshatriya spirit. But really, what had happened to the American military, it became a fully owned subsidiary of the defense industry <laughs> by then, you know? It's like funny. It was really rare to find even a real warrior type. But because to be a, a warrior, a, a protector of others, means you have to put your life on the line for other people. There's a certain degree of lack of selfishness and to care for others that modern government... Anyway, that's what Prabhupada said. So we haven't seen it. We've already seen the partial society. But that's what Prabhupada wanted, to reestablish the system of qualified Brahmanas, qualified Kshatriyas. So I said, I've come to give you a brain. And he wanted it. He explicitly said he wanted to reestablish his Varnashram Dharma and therefore wanted self-sufficient farm communities as the material basis of such a things. Vijay Krishna Prabhu has another question. He said, if a devotee insists on hearing the so-called love songs, how does this affect his consciousness? It makes it impossible for him to understand or to be affected by the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra. Therefore, the effect of, of chanting Hare Krishna should be that you become free, fragilely free from attraction to those things. And you'll, you'll first you may have to restrain yourself, uh, but eventually you'll lose a taste. Experiencing a, a higher taste. So the, the the thing about you know in the Krishna consciousness movement we have the, these regulative principles: no intoxication, no gambling, no illicit sex, and no meat eating, uh, uh, no wasting time, <laughs> frivolous activities. That's gambling. Uh, you know means means time wasting, internet surfing, whatever. Yeah, not just gambling. All these things are, these are the regular principles. People think of these regular principles as moral principles. But having to do with good and bad and reward and punishment. But they are actually principles of cognition. Uh, sense gratification makes us stupid. And so these things, they look like these. So we can't understand anything higher. So this is for development of higher consciousness. So of course we're born and brought up in a civilization where the aim of life is sense gratification, to enjoy and control others. Uh, that's that's our, our model of success, is totally in those terms of being the enjoyer and control. Our own little God projects. The material path is the path of pride. The spiritual path is the path of humility. Uh, it's opposite. 
And so all that becomes clearer. And devotees look for humility because when humility increases, the ability for spiritual experience also increases. Love of God increases. And therefore, devotees are, or not just Krishna, anybody on a real spiritual path becomes humble. Uh, it's extolled everywhere in scriptures of, of becoming humble. Buddhist, Muslim, Christian, you know. And then people, you know, get a little bit humble, but then we get a little humble, then we become proud of being humble. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to watch out. <laughs> but, but the reason spiritual people seek out humility it's not because they, they have a slave mentality like Nietzsche claimed, but because when humility increases, uh, one's spiritual uh, perceptions increase, one's love for Krishna, which is so delightful and so wonderful, that therefore, as that increases, you, whatever it helps that, you want it more and more, and therefore, one seeks out humility. It's not humility for its own sake. It's because something else that goes along with it. Uh, because you have started to become aware of God, and therefore, you know, whoa. <laughs> it's hard to be proud when you actually have, you're in the presence of the, the real divine. <laughs> but then you also know that you partake in that, so you, you are part of something much greater than yourself. So the way up is the way down. You can take it both ways. If you're thinking materially the way up, then spiritually it's down. Spiritually the way up, materially is the way down. You're supposed to be spiritually advanced, you're a kinshina, you possess nothing. And you see that everywhere. One monks, you know, of course the monks get rich and then, you know, they have a problem. <laughs> well-endowed monasteries. <laughs> Who's going to control? <laughs> I mean, the problem that the Catholic Church ran into is when it became rich mm -hmm. and seemed to inherit the Roman Empire. Whoa! Then the, 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 the Bishop of Rome, who was the Pope, was also a king in Italy. And, you know, trouble. Watch out for that stuff. Okay, should we stop there now? So thank you very much. See you next week. Srila Prabhupada ki jai, Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai.